0: love you guys. I'm excited for this topic. It's really important. I thought this one was
1: super timely too, because uh as this thing all unfolded this pandemic, you know there was a run at the supermarket on pretty much everything, including meat, and a lot of people were forced to turn to um, plant based uh, products and actually I think they I think be impossible saw a two hundred percent increase in their sales. you know then I saw an interview with the CEO when he's talking about making the the meat industry obsolete in 15 years. Is that realistic?
2: Why? But why? So he wants to make the meat industry obsolete for 15 years. My question is, and listen, I love how, because you're, you're vegan. I'm a vegetarian. You're, I, he's I, not vegan. A vegetarian's different. I know what he is. I just, I always say that because it pisses him off.
0: He's <laughs> it a, doesn't piss
2: me off. I don't care. He's I don't a vegetarian. Know. I eat meat. Okay. Dr. G eats meat to each his own. Why does he want, why does he want to, why does he want the, why does he want the meat distribution to be obsolete.
0: That's mix. a, that's actually a great question. And probably the most important point is that it's an ethical issue. So this is a guy who is, you know, feels that it's a moral sin to eat meat. So you can't even have a conversation because the conversation is no longer about, I can understand the that environment, right? I can
2: understand that. I, and let me, let me just jump in quick. If there's a reason why I was to never have meat again, it's because I don't like shooting things. I don't like killing animals. I, 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 I get that. So if there's a reason why I'm never going to eat meat again, it's for that reason only.
0: Then the next question is, but what impact will that have? Meat is one of the most nutrient-dense sources for people in low socioeconomic status. If you take away a high-quality nutrition, you take away high-quality protein, what gets replaced?
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. Let, let's say it works. Let's say in 15 years, what is... Um, Health wise, you just said some of the risks, but like, what are they, you know, what, what are some of the other ones? Okay. Pregnant women. That's obviously a big one, but I mean, a lot of people are going to suffer, as you said. So as much as I don't eat meat for the, the same type of a reason, I'm trying to understand what the impact would be. Say this works
0: metabolic consequences are going to be devastating. It's people. not
2: going to happen. Of course. Right. It's not. It's I, I, ridiculous. I get it's it. This guy's talking out of his ass. It, 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 it's just, doc. I know you get it. I just can't believe someone would say it. We are <laughs> pretending that this happens. That's all. Oh, I no, 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 I'm no. understanding. I know. Understand, I'm I understanding what you're getting at. There's people who believe it'll happen.
0: That's my, that's my thing. It's
2: like, how is this, how is this even possible?
0: You've got to, Impacts. We're talking about health implications and then environmental implications. Hmm. So, you cut out all of the meat industry. The mm-hmm. health implications are absolutely devastating. Muscle mass is directly correlated to survivability. You know, you look at a guy like Zach, he's, the, and he's like the unicorn. Most people are not training the way that Zach is training. Most people do not have the nutritional intelligence to be able to do what he's doing. So when it relates to health, this also brings up something that Don has talked about before, GMOs. You have to replace protein.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: cannot survive without high quality protein. So you're going to have to get it from things like soy. Now you're talking about soy and corn. You're going to have to eat what the cattle eats, yeah. right? get the, the quality. So now you're going to so take away meat, but you're going to increase GMOs. You're going to increase carbohydrate threshold. Nobody has a carbohydrate threshold like Don. He's able, you know, cause he's a machine. The right. majority of people are going to get diabetes. Right. Become obese. Right.
2: And that's something that's overlooked, Zach. I mean, the, the amount of protein that I believe in Dr. Gabrielle believes that we need to sustain a level of muscle mass. It's, it's, it's not 025 grams per pound of body weight. It's like for, for guys, I believe it's a gram per pound of body weight at least. And we have to get that number up higher depending on how many calories that they need. But when you turn around to a vegetarian or vegan, and you need to keep that protein consumption high, the amount of fat that they have to get into nuts and seeds and the amount of grains they have to consume to even get somewhere close to that protein level. And what am I hearing people doing now? You know, they're, they're drinking a lot more protein shakes you know, maybe they're starting to supplement things like BCAs or lysine because that's, you know, they think that's what's, you know, being left out from not eating animals and that they can supplement that and it's fine. But I mean, that's also, it's a rarity to find. It's a rarity. I'm not saying it's impossible to find, you know, a, a vegetarian with exceptional body composition or who can put on a high level muscle mass. I,
1: I want to ask uh, your, both of your opinions on this as to why th- these plant based uh, companies have exploded. I, I just, I'm trying to understand this and for my own edification.
0: Yeah. It, so it's it's based on government regulation. Whole foods like beef and egg, they're considered a commodity. Commodities are overseen by the USDA, which is the governmental USDA, and they're only allowed to say beef is part of a healthy diet. So they're able to express to the public in conversation a very minimal amount of information by law. Whereas you have processed foods, which is run by a different entity and regulated by a different entity, can literally say whatever they want. Mm. So it ultimately becomes the mouse with the microphone. You know, they have some regulation, but it's very minimal. So they could literally say beef is terrible for you. It's going to kill you. And then the beef industry could cannot say anything other than we're part of a healthy diet.
2: Right. And, 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 and we've seen that with, through all the documentaries, through, yeah, you know, exactly. the game changer films. And, you know, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, those were those films were put together. Well, they are believable films. People are just like, you know what? These things, it's such a mishmash of crap put together anyway that they're like, it's tasty. I, you know, I might as well, like this is healthier. Animals are bad for you. Like they don't, I'm more curious. Zach, what I'm, what I'm most curious about, we, we brought on that gentleman who did he produce the game changer documentary or did he direct it?
1: He was a producer, I think an executive producer. If I'm- I
2: brought something up back then and I'm, I'm really stand by it now. Every one they went to though, this is, this is, this is the, this is the crazy part every single person that they went to and they interviewed whether it was that strong man whether it was kids in college who the hell is eating healthy in college how about the firefighters and not to knock them but if you take a group of men who are following an unhealthy diet of eating doritos and drinking beers and eating burger king and you put them on a plant-based diet for two weeks Of organic fruits and organic vegetables and organic grains like seriously no shit they're gonna lose weight no shit that their energy level is gonna go through the roof my question is is take someone who is in exceptional health take someone that we can go in and say wow this is a pretty good this is a pretty good marker right here now we're gonna put you on a plant-based diet for the next six months to a year and we're gonna do bloods every week and we're going to monitor the entire process. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to body composition?
0: And this is such a great point. Body composition is directly related to your metabolic health. Right. Muscle is your metabolic currency. So when you think about uh, diabetes prevention, people talk about high cholesterol as well. Muscle mass is actually one of the largest sites for fatty acid oxidation. Mm-hmm. People don't need a statin. They need a better body composition. Muscle yeah. is an endocrine organ. Simple. And these are, you know, it's so interesting. These are hard, fast, biological numbers when it relates to health. P protein is never going to have in equal amounts, the same amount of branched chain amino acids as a burger. You're going to get a million times more estrogen in pea than you are ever going to get in beef. So there's all these convoluted pieces where, you know, they've cherry picked some information. They've used poor data and made an entertainment film wrapped up in the package of looking like it's real science. Well, do you
1: think that, you know, then there's companies like Tyson who, you know, during COVID, like wanted you know, I think the assembly line workers, something like 20,000 of them got sick and they still faced stiff penalties if they stayed home in fear of catching, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the virus. Do you think that that, that, that kind of negative PR do you think that that kind of like like helps fuel these types of um, narratives
0: it totally doesn't it's, it's interesting that you bring that up you know when they came out with the, that data that's purely an indes- that's purely a packing plant issue that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the meat industry right but the way in which it was written and packaged made it somehow sound like it was related to the meat industry. But again, it's this narrative. And it's it's just really interesting because you know according to the NHANES data set, which is really the best data set we have for tracking what people are eating, it says that 2% of the population is vegan or vegetarian. And that's probably a high amount, but it's like the mouse with the microphone, right? So it's not a large group of individuals. And I'm not talking about the vegan and vegetarian, you know, I don't want to vilify them, right? So you're vegetarian and there's no vilification here. We're all friends. But what happens is, is you have this industry information and who it actually affects, you know, I've been practicing medicine 10 years. If I tell my patient to reduce their protein intake and increase their vegetables, they like hit a a broccoli quota. They hit a broccoli ceiling, right? They're like, I'm done. I'm going to have some more rice, maybe some corn and some tofu. I'm not eating any more friggin' spinach.
2: Yeah, there's only so much you can consume of that stuff too. And I I've gone to all extremes. Like once you start getting the, you know, down to, you know, eight to ten cups of veggies a day. I mean, it, it really is difficult to consume. You know, can't that actually bind you up? Can't that actually mess with digestion? I totally. mean, do we do we need that much? I mean, does doesn't it depend on how it's prepared? I mean, for for years, everyone's like eat vegetables raw, and then we found out that wasn't good, right? All the all the time, right? And then what are we finding? We're we're finding balance,
0: right? And you know, having some balance and variability is important. Mm-hmm. So we, if taking the ethical issue off the table, you now look at health, which we've discussed some of the aspects of health and I'm sure we'll continue. And then you have this environmental issue. And everyone who hears about beef says, well, I'm not eating that, it's bad for the environment. That is completely false. Beef in the U.S., are you ready for how much it contributes to greenhouse gas? And this is from the Environmental Protection Agency. So these are direct numbers. Beef in the U.S., all beef, contributes to 3.4% of greenhouse gas. Okay, 3.4. If we eliminated every single frigging cattle, we would affect greenhouse gas by 2.6%. Okay, because we have to get protein from somewhere. Protein is an essential nutrient, whether it's from plants or somewhere else we have to make up for those protein. You have to get your lysine, you know, you have to get your three you have to get your branch chains globally. If we wiped out every frigging cow globally, are you ready for the impact? You ready? 0.36% mm. 80% of greenhouse gas across the board is from transportation, electricity and industry. So basically every time you drive your car, sure, every time you eat fruits and vegetables, so 50% of the fruits that we get are shipped. Right. Twenty percent of the vegetables we get are shipped are shipped. So if we really care about the environment. Yeah. And I just told you that if you eliminate all cattle, the best 20, you're gonna do 20, 30, is, six. that's the best you're gonna do.
1: I was doing some research as well. And in the numbers I saw and I saw this on a, a report on Forbes. very we're 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 different where are all these stats coming from how are we measuring them and like i I, that's why sometimes i don't even get into these discussions because i feel as though i'm confused about what it is that uh i don't even know which which stat to choose because i can choose one that supports my point or i can pivot and support the person uh, the other person's point so it's Mm. very very confusing
0: it is and i think knowing neutral scientists I think understanding the landscape, no pun intended, understanding the landscape for the researchers. So for example, I get a lot of my information from Frank Mitlohner at UCS Davis. He is a world-leading expert in climate change. He doesn't care about protein. He doesn't care about vegetarians or vegan. He doesn't care what he saw happening was just massive gross information. Right. And what he does is, and he has many lectures, just how he breaks it down. And this is a guy, he, he doesn't, he's indifferent. You know, he talks about how the land that is grassland decomposes anyway. So the choice is it's going to decompose and produce the same amount of greenhouse gas, mm. right? The compost, the land, you know, the fields in Montana, all that grass dies. So the choice is it either dies and it, imp- it increases um, greenhouse gas, or you have cattle, that is designed to herd and, and, and eat that grass, and it upcycles your nutrition. So, the argument that becomes is if we don't eat, so it's gonna die anyway, and it's gonna produce greenhouse gas. But we have cattle that actually upcycles the nutrients. And we get a lot more from cattle than just meat. We get glue, we get soaps, we get leather for our cars. So going back to this guy who says in 15 years, he's going to eradicate the meat industry. He's essentially saying the whole world is going to go vegan. So there you go. So by thinking that we close our eyes and we decide it's really, you know, I, you know, we're going to eradicate the meat industry. That's the most selfish thing I've ever heard.
2: I think it's, I think it's wrong where we're getting information from. I just think, and this is on all fronts. I, I feel like you know, information can become a weapon. People just go to Google and they'll Google things and it'll pop up and they'll read, Oh, well, the New York times said this, this, and this, who were they interviewing? Then you go down and you look at it. They interviewed so-and-so who is a, listen, and it happens to me too. certain, sometimes I get calls about being interviewed about certain topics. I'm like, don't ask me about this. I'm like, I'm not the expert on this. Like you need to talk to so-and-so it's just, it's, it's irresponsible. Are
1: Are you like people right now? Like there is this debate about masks, right? Like, yeah, I've seen from what I've heard from many of, you know, and again, wearing masks helps stop this spread, right? Like it doesn't stop you from getting it from what I, from, this is from what I'm told. Uh, Please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because if you guys know more, I'd like to know more. But there's people that still refuse to wear it. And it's like, it's not for you, dummy. It's for everybody else. People buy into this misinformation, and maybe it's because it's what they want to hear. Maybe it's because like, oh, you know, whether you're a vegan or a vegetarian, it's like, oh, well, like the you know, it's pollution or whatever, like you want to buy
2: into it. So you don't want to use critical thinking. People are looking for immediate answers. They're looking for immediate solutions. They think they just switch something up and it's like, there's a solution to that. They don't understand that. Like most of there's, there's a cost of doing business, like weight training. There's a cost of doing business. Like if you, I, I know plenty of powerlifters who have trained too heavy and too long and haven't done all this other good stuff. Look at Ronnie and- Coleman. Exactly. The, the guy can't walk. He said 30 surgeries. So, you know, and that's, that's an extreme case, but there's a cost of doing business. You know, at the end of the year, the one thing that every single one of us have in common, the one thing that like, we're all going to grow old, every single one of us, like it's on a average. We all know this and we are going to lose bone density and muscle mass. So we should be preparing right now. like part of what I'm doing, because I I enjoy doing it, I love doing it, but I feel like I'm establishing equity in my body from when I'm 90 years old.
0: You're right. And it's it's interesting because what's happened is because we have this influx of information at our fingertips, uh, you know, you would think that it would become more clear and that, man, we have all this information. This is incredible. Now I know the truth. But what we found is everything is convoluted. Yeah. And it's as if people become, it's no longer a science discussion. It is very much an emotional discussion.
1: And that's the thing. I'm fine with being proven wrong. Um, that's okay. And e- even, you know, if I don't want to necessarily want to accept it, that's kind of part of life here. Like if it, it just listening to the right people, and as you said, the people that don't have a horse in the race, and I feel like it just gets harder and harder to find who they are and where it's coming from and it's it's you know it's something that don and i try to suss out as best we can and um you know when we did have the, the the game changers um producer on yeah like i mean look i i asked him point blank i said do you stand by every single thing in your movie he said yes i do and i worked with this person i said okay because there's a lot of people that have that take you know all, all, they, they
2: they have a lot of issues with it so i want to Get that on record. The thing that I respected about the guy, whether I agreed with his values or not, was that you could have the conversation with him. Absolutely. And that's how it should be. But like, I've had conversations with people. Right. And I'm telling you, 10 out of 10 times, it's not me. I'm not the one trying to start a fight with him. But they start, what's your, oh my God. This is what you believe in. This is what I'm like. Listen, I'm I'm done with this conversation. I don't want to turn this into a fight. You told but you
1: me know. too, Don. Like you've told me that in the past. That like you know you've also softened your stance on trying to like push back on whether whether it's the way people train or maybe it's their diets because sure. it's just not your energy. You only have so much of it. Even you, and it just gets to the point where it's exhausting to try to sit there and try to correct everybody on and their bullshit or
2: the misinformation. It's, it's easier sometimes just to be like, great. And how about this? D- Dr. Gabrielle sent me some, um, literature. I want to say it was a year ago on athletes that were vegan or vegetarian. They were, they were plant-based to some extent, and they actually end up coming off the diet because right. of how they felt it screwed them up. A crazy high percentage, right?
0: Yeah. So the majority of individuals will stay on it for six months or less. And that's really according to the NHANES data of those individuals that transition to vegan or vegetarian, it's, it's six months or less is the, is typically what happens. You're talking about 2% of the population. You know, I think that one of the things that's really important is to understand how we look at data and not everyone is a statistician and not everyone is a scientist, but by understanding that there's a hierarchy of quality, Mm. and understanding that randomized control trials are the top and that everything else, you know, is either epidemiological data, meaning it looks at something over time or observational. It looks at the trajectory of something, but they don't, uh, account for lifestyles. So these people could smoke or drink, or there's a whole bunch right. of other things, but just understanding that it's considered low quality data. And then the high quality data is randomized control trials. So when they talked, when the IR committee, which is the international, I I don't remember what it stands for. It's like the international committee for cancer or something like that. Sounds good to me. (laughs) We came together. It it was a self selected group of individuals. And what they did is they looked at the high quality data and the high quality data just showed that, you know, optimal protein intake, protein intake was actually good for health because it is, I mean, this is, there's a ton of, there's 30 years of literature on this Mm. as it relates to protein. They threw out all those papers And they said, well, the N, the amount of people in each study was too low. So they threw out the high quality data, which no scientist would ever do that. And what they did is they they picked low quality epidemiological data, which is typically you use low quality data to determine a hypothesis. You use low quality data to then do a randomized controlled trial, not the other way around. So they threw out the high quality and they looked at this low quality and they said, you know what? Protein causes an increased risk in cancer and I'm going to just highlight something. I don't want to get too deep into the numbers because we lose everybody, but they say, man, pro, you eat protein, you get an 18% risk of cancer or whatever it is. But the reality is that number is not considered clinically significant. For example, and then I'll wrap it up with a number. Hmm. When you smoke, the relative risk of smoking in cancer is a thousand to 3000% that is considered clinically significant. Hmm. So the number is above 12. You know, the way in which science is done, statistics is done, if a number is really low, less than two, you throw it out. It's not considered significant. No data, it's just not considered accurate or significant, not accurate, but not significant. So protein and cancer, all the data turned out to be 1.2, which if we were talking about turnips, no one would say anything. But because they wanted to prove a point, they said, "Oh well, you know, there's an increased risk in cancer." Where the data doesn't actually support.
2: Yeah, but you can look up the data. Like you're you're going to a good source for right. that data. You can go pull up an article, and suddenly you have someone at a restaurant arguing with you. No, right? The New York Times said this, and it's complete. Right. Like the data out there, the the the. The research out there isn't even accurate. It's not even like you can look at something now and, and just say, oh, well, it, it's highly researched. So it's Literally no, you don't even know what's, what's
0: accurate. But if you trust the deliverable, like if you trust the person and you trust right. the individual. For example, Don, I've known you for years. You have a very high standard of integrity. When mm-hmm. you say something, your word is good. Zach, you mm-hmm. too. What you say is good, right? I mean, it's, it's the same kind of people come together. The same is true for scientists and physicians, right? They... There are scientists, there are physicians who you trust, and there's a component of that that's incredibly valuable. And listen, not everybody is right 100% of the time, and it's okay to be wrong. We know high-quality protein is really good for health. Can you avoid eating high-quality protein? Can you be vegetarian and still be healthy? Yes. You have to be much more specific and detailed, but it can happen
2: that's kind of like your, your mic drop statement. I I want to be clear about that. And Zach, I I admire you for how open-minded you are on this because you are a vegetarian and this is something that you do because of your beliefs and I'll respect that. I'll never, ever try and talk you away from that. And guess what? It's working for you, obviously. I mean, he's got great body composition. He's got good energy. His strength is good. It's working for Zach. So continue to do it until you feel like it's time not to do it. But I just can't stand the false information. And I can't stand the fact that we cannot have a conversation anymore. It's not about having a conversation to educate people. It's about who's right and who's wrong.
1: I just am interested in facts, like whether those facts line up with what I believe in, like I'll determine and maybe even make a different decision based on that. But whether I'm talking to someone that's producing a movie that's vilifying the meat industry, or I'm talking to somebody who's pro meat, it doesn't matter. I'm just curious to yes. know what the what the truth is and it, it I've, I've been finding it more and more difficult to find, to get that and it, it's very frustrating for someone like me because i try to listen i am far from perfect uh i am incredibly flawed but i try to make the best decisions i can for me and my family
2: It's like a constant climb. You know, it's something that, um, I don't know if it'll ever get fixed, unfortunately, like our sources of information, but I think all we can do is what the three of us are trying to do now. We're we're, we're trying to deliver some information that hopefully people will listen to and we will, um, skew them in the right direction.
1: I'm trying to figure this out too. Um, and I just want to be more informed period. Um, and that's why I love speaking with people that have a different point of view uh, Dr. G, please tell everybody where they can find you on social media and uh, <laughs> the internet, and uh, any anywhere else. Uh, if you want to give your home address? Please do. Don't do that.
0: <laughs> so you can find me on, at my website, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, L-Y-O-N. My Instagram is—I'm really pretty active there. I have um, so that's Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and there's a, a nice drop-down link tree, whatever you call it. Uh, they can then go to my website. I have a great newsletter, a YouTube. I don't spam people. I only give you the most evidence based information I can find. And I include that at a very high value um, email every week.
2: Dr. Gabrielle knows that she is not only one of my favorite people, but probably one of my favorite sources. Such a good friend and just think the absolute world of you. So thank you.
1: Thanks. It's really great to see you too. I'm looking forward to uh, spending time with you when. Uh when you're It'll back, so in great. action. Well, thank you again. Really, it was good to see you. And Don, thank you, Zach.
2: Big hugs, Zach, love love you, kisses
1: man. as normal.
0: Okay, love you yes. guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> right. See you. Yeah.